Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. Well, it is a great privilege to stand before you. I was thinking that in 39 years of ministry, over 39 years of ministry, this is the longest time I've been out of the pulpit. It's been actually five weeks from the last time I stood in this place. And, and yet, uh, we have to have a little compassion for Pastor Deb because she had to hear me preach all those days that I wasn't able to be here and stand behind this pulpit. But just knowing the call of God on all of our lives and whatever that looks like and whatever he's commissioned you to do, your submission, surrender, and obedience to that brings God's strength, his blessing, his favor upon your life. And if I could say anything of significance today, and I'm going to share a lot with you from his word about the fullness of God's love, but surrender to what he has for you. Don't be so stubborn. Don't be so arrogant and stiff-necked that you just stand positioned. I'm not moving. But let God move your heart. And I, I believe the people here that have come in for the first time, and if you're a first-time visitor, we so welcome you. Uh, our mission and vision at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God. This is a place that you can grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. We take his message of love and hope to our community and to the world beyond. And, and so thank you for joining us today. And our prayer is that you will encounter Jesus Christ in his presence in a meaningful and powerful way. And so we're excited to be here. Uh, let's join our faith as we pray, as we prepare to get into the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we look to you and we invite the Holy Spirit to move among us. Father, I submit myself as your vessel. Father, I step into the grace for the call that I've received to deliver the message you've given me for this people. And even for this time and season, Lord, let your word take root and bear fruit in people's lives. And Father, we thank you that you're watching over your word to perform it. And Jesus, you are in fact building your church from the ground up. Father, start with us, work in us, for we are your church. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing here and now. We just declare this time to be a time of ministry, Father, to your people. Help us to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you've heard these words already this year. We've been talking about it in this fulfillment and expansion. Fulfillment is our theme for 2023, and we're moving from the place of promise to the fulfillment of the promise. And I believe that God's fulfillment is going to be manifest in your life in so many ways as you encounter him. God wants to fulfill what he started in your life. So this month, are you ready for the word? Uh, we're talking about, and this title kind of may catch you off guard, but it's entitled Full of It. And when you hear this, this expression, you're full of it, it's often used jokingly, and some use it seriously in response to someone who maybe makes claims uh, that are outrageous or even self-centered. And it's a statement about what's inside of you. And really, this series is more about examining the things that we should be full of as followers of Christ. Amen? And so, full of it... <clears throat> is usually used in a derogatory sense. Uh, 
Uh, but the fact is we're all full of something. And, and, and what you are full of is, is what is going to determine how you live your life. And you can be full of fear, you can be full of faith, you can be full of grace, you can be full of truth, and you can be full of love. And, and that's what we're focusing on. And we're going to determine how we can allow the fullness of God to manifest in our lives. In the Cambridge English Dictionary, um, someone who is full of it, there's an idiom, slang in English, for someone who is wrong or not telling the truth. Uh, full of it is what someone is said to be if they're unreliable or ridiculous, usually due to making unfounded or nonsensical statements or claims. There's one example, someone might say, oh, oh they're full of it, all they, uh, all they are is talk and no action. They might say something, but there's no action there. They're all wet, they're maybe mistaken, they're inaccurate, they're incorrect, they're wrong, they're misled, they're misinformed, confused, duped, deceived, or misguided, okay? So that's, you know, kind of the nutshell of what it means to be full of it. And, and you might be thinking another way, but that's what the dictionary says, so don't go beyond that, right? In fact, Miriam, how many of you know the dictionary is sometimes a, a great teacher? But what's really strange is how people are trying to redefine words that have already been defined. So you've got to be careful there what version you are reading from. But Merriam-Webster's definition of full of it is to be in the wrong, having an opinion that does not agree with truth or facts. One statement that Merriam-Webster put in its definition of this is, he's just so full of it that I can't even listen to him anymore. And so that's a sad case if that would happen to be a statement said about you. Right? But we want to be full of something that people want to listen to us for, right? And so that's where we're going with this. So the question is, what are you full of? Instead of being full of it, we need to be full of him. And, and I love how Tim Kleiner made that statement. We need to be full of him. We need to be full of God. We need to be full of Jesus and his love. Uh, John 1, verses 16 and 17, this has been kind of the scripture we've taken this series, that this series takes off from. And it states, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now that, I want you in particular to consider that phrase, from his fullness, we have all received. From his fullness, you can receive whatever God has for you. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance you're dealing with, from his fullness, you can receive. And the apostle John, as he's writing this, is stating this as a fact in his life. From his fullness, he received what God had for him. His calling to apostleship, his calling to be the one that they, history said he wouldn't die. They tried to boil him in oil. They tried to do all these things. They banished him to the island of Patmos because they just wanted to get rid of him because he wouldn't die. Think about that. But John was one who received of Jesus' fullness. And the person referenced here is Jesus Christ who came to bring grace and truth. So we're to be full of God's grace, his truth, and his love. And Tim asked the question, when he spoke, are you full of hate? Are you full of bitterness, unforgiveness, pride? Or are you full of grace, truth, and love? 
And that's a question I want to continue to keep before you. And for part one, Tim also talked about the importance of being full of grace. Are you a gracious person? Now think about that for a moment. Would somebody, if they met you, spent some time with you, would they consider you to be a gracious person? If not, you need to think about that and maybe make some changes in your life. Determined to be a gracious person because that's part of the element, that the dynamic of God, the character of God that wants to be manifest in you. Tim shared what it looks like for us to position ourselves not only to receive grace, but how to walk in it. So go back and listen to that message if you have not heard that message. For part two, Sam Kehar talked about being full of truth. Man, was that a great message? Were you here for that? I mean, that guy gets a little excited. He just, you know, got a, no, he's, he's all over the place, but in a good sense. He's moving and speaking the truth in love, and, and it's realizing that to be full of truth, it's it's realizing that grace gives us the ability to receive truth and understanding that the lie can never change the truth. It's only the truth that can change and expose the lie. So don't lie against the truth. You know, I was thinking about that. People are lying against the truth in our culture today. They're disregarding the truth and they're lying against it. And, and the Bible warns us about that. Turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, and we'll look at this passage that addresses this. And this is proposed as a question to the church. It says, who among you is wise and understanding? Okay? So who among you is wise and understanding? Uh, that should be all of us as a follower of Christ. Amen? And then it goes on to say, let him show by his good behavior and deeds in the gentleness of wisdom, verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Think about this for a moment. If you are regarding and holding on to jealousy and selfish ambition and bitterness in your heart, you're actually lying against the truth. Verse 15 goes on to say, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly natural and dynamic, demonic. I'll get that word right. <laughs> Bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition results in being arrogant and rejects the truth by telling you a lie and receiving a lie. If you reject the truth, hear me, you're going to believe the lie. In fact, the false narrative will lead you down the path of destruction or deception. And we see that prevalent in the culture today. Now, we are looking at Jesus' life and what he was full of and what he calls us to be filled with. And as Sam asked last week, are you full today? I love his illustration with the, the water and the cup. Um, what are you full of today? If you are, what I, what's filling you today? And so part one and two of this series, messages are actually available online if you want to listen to them, if you haven't heard them. But really the idea for this series was conceived out of the concept of our theme for this year, fulfillment. And I, we have a slide here, and I just want to break this word down to you. Fulfillment, we can, once it's up, we'll... Uh, Okay, full, there it comes. You can bring them all up at the same time. You can break this word down. It's a compound word. It's in three parts. 
The first one is full. And full simply means containing as much as possible. You can't, you know, uh, on the trip, I was filling up the gas one time and there was something defective with the gas pump. It, uh, it didn't want to shut off even though the tank was full. And what happens when that happened? When it starts coming out and I got splashed. And I'm thinking, okay, this is great. Now I smell like gasoline. But since I've had COVID, I've lost my sense of smell. So I had to say, Deb, do I smell like gasoline? <laughs> and said, yes, you do. So I, the whole vehicle smelled like gasoline for a, a period of time. But it was full. And if it's full, it's going to start spilling over. You can't put any more in. And so the second aspect of this word fulfillment is the word fill. And that's simply defined as to supply or provide to the fullest extent. A quantity that satisfies. Okay? And so it's, it's full, fill, and then meant. Now you heard, hear the word uh, cement. Well, concrete result. When something is meant, it's established, it's settled, it's founded, it's grounded. Okay? So fulfillment, when you put it all together encompasses those defining terms. And so God has determined fulfillment for you in 2023. And so we're going to continue to speak that to this body so that that word will be a word that begins to grow and manifest and bring forth what God has determined for your life. Essentially, it's being full uh, of what's right rather than being full of what's wrong. I believe the concept of fulfillment is really what fulfills you or brings fulfillment to your life and realize that your life and my life is a vessel we are containers so what are you full of is this journey of faith in this journey of faith with God we are to be full of grace we are to be full of truth and to be full of love so what is it that you are full of today and as I said our lives are these containers and second Actually, 2 Timothy 2.21 talks about us being vessels of honor. And vessels, you, can be, you have a choice to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. And it all depends what you're filled with. I want to be a vessel of honor. And so I, as a container, receive what God has for me. His grace, his truth, and his love. And so we're going to talk about full of love with the rest of the time that we have for this message Realize that if we're going to be full of love, we need to first define what love is. We need to know the source of love and how to receive love and how to give love. See, that's, that's, that's a great thing. If the world could get a hold of that concept, if the church could get a hold of that concept, the world would change. So my first point in being full of love is simply three words. God is love. You can write that down if you're taking notes. God is love. And we want to look at 1 John 4, 7, and 8 from the Amplified Bible as we look at this first point. God is love. He's defined as love. It says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. Wow, that's a mouthful right there. For love is from God. That's the source. Love is from God. And everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. And this is where personal encounter comes into the picture. To experience the love of God is what transforms a life. And so we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. But notice 
It's that personal experience that we come to know God and encounter him. And through that knowing, there's a rebirth in your life. You become his child. Something transpires where you're changed. Your nature from within, your spiritual nature is changed. Verse 8 says, the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God. So that's the determining factor. If you, if you know God, you love. If you don't love, you don't know God. Okay? And verse goes on to say, I'll, I'll read verse 8 again. I'll start. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him. And then, then notice this phrase, for God is love. God is love. That's who he is. That's the best defining term for who God is. And it goes on to say he is the originator of love and it is an enduring attribute of his nature. It never changes. It's enduring. It will never change. Now to the extent that we know God is the extent of our ability to love others because God is love. If we are born of God, then we are born of love. We're born of his love nature. Now, as his followers, as a believer, you now possess the capacity to love because it's part of your new nature in him. You are capable of loving as God loves because you've received his nature. Now, that can be mind-blowing, but yet I've personally experienced that. To be able to love as God loves my first time in the country of Mexico, actually, I was with my brother, David. He was stationed at El Paso, Texas, at the military base there. And, and we decided we're going to go into Mexico. And at, from there, you could just walk over the border. So we did. And so I had taken some Spanish uh, tracks and some literature. And I'm, I'm on a mission. My first time in Mexico, as a young man, I was attending Rama Bible College at the time. It was during one of the breaks, spring break or something, I went down to Texas to visit my brother and hang out with him. And so we are in Mexico, and I'm looking for opportunities to hand out these books and witness. And behold, I saw a leper, a leprous man. It was the first time in my, I've only seen pictures of lepers. I didn't really know if they really existed because I just saw pictures of them. But I saw a leper sitting there with his little friend. His little friend had a little tin cup. And this man was full of leprosy. His head was covered white. He was, parts of his fingers were missing. His hands were just, it was a, a horrific sight. Unbelievable sight. He had toes partial, toes missing. And, and the disease is such that it basically disintegrates the flesh off of a living being. And so when I saw that man, I experienced something I'd never experienced before. The love of God rose up in me. I had such compassion, pity, and love for that man. And it moved me so that I went up to him and I asked, can I pray for you? And by this time, my brother David is freaking out. He says, Matt, what are you doing? Don't do this. But it's like everything else disappeared. All I saw was this leprous man. And I literally put my hands on his head and I began to pray over him in the name of Jesus. And this man, after I took my hands off, he looked up, had this big smile. He was in shock, like nobody would ever touch me like that. 
but I prayed in the name of Jesus. I don't know if he could understand English, but, you know, hopefully God helped him understand that prayer. But I walked away, and I don't know the end result. I have to wait till I get to heaven to find out what happened to that man. But I would love to believe that he received his healing and walked free of, of that disease of leprosy. I won't know on this side of eternity, but... But it was the love of God that gave me the compassion, the motivation to do something that I could never do in my natural ability. And that's what love does when you encounter that love. And I tell you what, when, uh, when that happened, I can remember afterwards, I, what did I do? <laughs> but it was the love of God in me. It compelled me. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 16, it says the love of God compels us. Um, there was another time when I was in Uganda, Africa, and we were doing an open-air meeting, and we gave an invitation to pray for the sick, and I'm standing on the platform, and a blind man approaches, and his, his, the pupils, he had no pupils, it was just gray, his eye sockets were gray, he was completely blind, and when he approached me, I thought, oh boy, this is a tough one, God, <laughs> but Again, as I'm looking at this man, the love of God began to rise up in me. And I knew it wasn't Matt Malik's love, it was God's love. And I laid my hands on him and I prayed that his eyes would be open. His eyes weren't open that moment, but later in the evening, the pastor came to me and said, Guess what, Pastor? That man you prayed for received the sight. I said, Really? Wow. Well, the Bible says. Thou shalt lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said, these works that I've done shall you do and greater works than these. So we need to be doing the believer's ministry. We need to be laying hands on the sick. God wants to do it through you. It wasn't Matt Malik that healed that man. It was Jesus Christ that healed him. Wow. So it's time for us as Christians to recognize that our new nature gives us the capacity to love as Jesus loves. To get a revelation of the love of God, you need to spend time in his presence. You need to spend time in his word. You need to spend time with his people. Here's a quote by um, Richard Halverson. Richard Halverson states, There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, and perfect. So get filled up with the love of God. Be willing to receive and accept God's love for you. And that's, that's a big deal because there was a time in, when I was in Bible school that in, in growing up, I had a very poor self-esteem. I did not like myself. And I don't know if any of you can relate to that. I was hard on myself. I was critical of myself. I'd beat myself down. And it's because it's almost like I had a self-hatred and I don't know why that occurred, and it doesn't really matter. But what I needed was a revelation of the love of God. And it was one morning I was standing in the mirror, looking at myself, and I said, you're ugly. I had this big zit on my face. I was just a young man, you know, and I'm, you know, de dealing with this acne problem. And I just said, you're ugly. And I was just really down on myself in that moment. And, and all of a sudden, as I'm looking at myself in the mirror, it's as if I stood outside myself and I saw myself through the eyes of God's love. And, and I began to sweep and I realized I knew it intellectually through the study of scriptures, through sermons I heard, 
that God loved me. But up until that moment, I never really had an experience, a tangible experience of his love for me. And when that happened, I realized, God, you do love me. And I just, my whole attitude changed. And I, from that day forward, I never got down on myself. I never beat myself up because I realized I'm not going to disregard or disdain or put someone down who's an object of God's love. Because that's insulting to God. When you insult someone who God loves, you're insulting God. God loves us. Amen? He loves you. And so, oh my, ask God to fill you with his love. Ask him to let you see others as he sees them. Ask him to let you see yourself as he sees you. And don't be ashamed to love. Because if you have the love of God in you, you can't contain it. It's uncontainable. You're going to go, you're going to share his love with others. You're going to witness. You're going to want to bring others into an, an encounter with him as well. So they can know Jesus. You witness, you testify of him. 1 John 4.8 says that God is love. So to be filled with the fullness of God is to be filled with his love. And see, our character, our character will certainly reflect it and enable us to even love our enemies. In Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, Jesus is speaking. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I believe in a culture where hatred is all around us. There's a way to rise above it. Amen? To love our enemies and pray for our persecutors was a foreign concept that Jesus introduced in his day. In fact, it's still a difficult concept in our day. But this is especially true when we uh, feel some are not deserving to be loved because we have deemed them unlovable. Think about that. The mandate to love our enemy can only be fulfilled when we allow the love of God to transform our life through the new birth, through being born of his spirit. It's when we're born of God that we take on his divine attribute, his divine nature, which gives us the capacity to love as he loves. Because of the divine nature, we are able to love even our enemies. Number two, point number two, and we're going to bring this to close a little bit. Still with me this morning? Are you getting something out of this so far? Point number two, embrace the commandment to love. Embrace the commandment to love. It's a command. It's not just a suggestion. And a personal example, you know, I, I think something the, the Lord did for me. Uh, he gave me a dream. And it, and it was a number of years ago. It was New Year's Eve. We prayed in the new year, went to bed. And in this dream, Jesus came to me, and I didn't know it was a dream when it happened, but I'm, I'm sitting in a chair, and there's a, a coffee table between us, and Jesus is sitting across from me. And I said, Jesus, is that you? He said, yes. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, this is really something. And, and all of a sudden, it, I begin to ask him all kinds of questions, and it was questions concerning the church and concerning the people. And he began to give me answers. There were different individuals that I was having a discussion and a conversation with him about. And, and one thing he said to me when I was talking about a situation, he said, what about this person? Lord, I'm, I'm challenged because they're making some wrong decisions. They're doing some things that 
are going to be hurtful and damaging in their life. And he said, son, you need to talk to him. And I said, and then he said, because they're not listening to me. And I said, Jesus, if they're not listening to you, how do you expect them to listen to me? And Jesus actually sat forward and he raised his voice and he said, because I have made you a mouthpiece in their life. You are my spokesperson to them. And then we had some other conversation. We get up at the end of the conversation, come around the coffee table, and he put his arms around me. And when that happened, I felt love in a way that I never experienced in my life. It was liquid love. It's like everything evil just banished, was driven away. Peace, which was unbelievable. And I, I can't even describe the encounter I had in that moment when Jesus embraced me in that dream. And then I woke up. And I realized it was a dream. And it seems like the, the whole room was illuminated and God's presence was there. I went out. We have a, a prayer room at a, a lower level. Went down there and I said, Lord, what just happened? And the Lord took me to um, the different encounters with Solomon that the Lord appeared to him in a, in a sleep, in a dream. And I realized, Lord, you met with me. This was an encounter with you. And it changed my life. But I realized that as a pastor, I'm a mouthpiece for Jesus. So I need to represent him well. I don't want to misrepresent him. And so that encounter in his presence changed me. God's love is so incredible. So embrace the commandment to love. And John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That is the distinguishing mark that you're a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus. If you have one love for one another, then that is, a, is proof that you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a Christian and you don't have love for people, I would question your faith. And so I just want to, I just want to leave, I, we could say more about that, but that new commandment is, again, not a suggestion. You just need to love. And you have the, because understand this, if you are born of love, you have God's love nature, then there's no reason why you can't love because you've been given the capacity to love. And if you have the capacity to love, when Jesus gives the command for you to love, then you just obey. God would not tell you to do something that you didn't have the ability to do because he gives you the ability to love and he commands you to love. So love, okay? And Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore be imitators of God. Just like children imitate their parents, like beloved children, it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us. Walk in love as Christ loved us. As means the same degree, the same way, same level. We love as he loved because we have the capacity to. The overflow, the love of God in us cannot be contained and is contagious and will be expressed towards others. The love of God in you will find expression through you as you share his love with others, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So walking in love, loving one another. Let me ask you this question. How is your love walk? Today at the end of the service, we're going to
pray a prayer. There'll be a time where you can be filled with his love. First John, actually point number three, let me give you point number three. Point number three is to know his love is to be filled with the fullness of God. To know his love is to be filled with the fullness of God. First John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast fear out. In other words, it drives it away. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, let me tell you something. God wants to perfect you in his love. That is, to bring you to a place of maturity, a place of growth. He wants to perfect his love in you. And that's going to drive out fear. Fear is your greatest enemy, folks. Fear is the thing that keeps you back from witnessing to another. It holds you back from doing what you know God wants you to do. Fear paralyzes the believer. It's your greatest enemy. But love drives fear away. Where you can become fearless because of the love of God in you. Turn with me to Ephesians 3, 14 and 19. And we want to look at this as... Uh, is, is, I believe, so very important because this is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and it's a prayer for the church. It's a biblical prayer that you can pray over your own life. In verse 14, it starts out by saying, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. Notice verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that's our roots, that's our grounding, we're rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, notice verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it goes beyond what the intellect can comprehend. That surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Okay? So to know the surpassing knowledge of the love of God experientially and to be filled with love is to be filled with the fullness of God. And that's what God wants to do. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. He wants to fill you with himself. Oh, you see, we are the temples of the living God. This is his dwelling place. Your body, your temple, your life. To know, to experience, and encounter the love of Jesus Christ that surpasses knowledge results in being filled with the fullness of God. What do you think it looks like to be filled with God's fullness? Being filled with his fullness will enable you to love as he loves. 1 John 4, 17 and 18, again, says God is love, or God is love. 1 John 4, 17 and 18, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This is the, the message Bible. It goes on to say, this way love has run as the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear, since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, 
is one not yet fully formed in love. So if you're dealing with that, all that fear stuff, then God's love needs to be formed in you. That's a, the message translation. Now, there's other things we can say. We're going to have the worship team come up at this time as, as we bring this message to a close. But there's a discipline side of love. You know, love is not all gushy and mooey and all that stuff. Um, Hebrews 12 says that God disciplines those whom he loves. He corrects you when you're wrong. And sometimes discipline isn't, isn't pleasant, but it's necessary for maturity and growth. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through what you've heard today in this message? I believe that an encounter with the love of God will transform your life. And Jesus is not just an option. He is the answer for you. And I believe that an encounter with the love of God has the greatest transforming impact upon a human life. And that's why we pray that anyone that comes through these doors that are part of these services, that they will have an encounter with the love of God because that's going to change them. You might not be able to change them, and maybe you can't, really. Only God, through his transforming power of love. Love is the greatest motivator. It motivates us to obey. Maybe having a problem obeying God in, in certain areas. But God calls us to obey his written word. And so you need to spend time in his word. You need to spend time reading the Bible and to make a quality decision to do what it says. And there's another prayer, and I'm going to pray this over you as a congregation. It's found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge in all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, we do pray that that the love of refuge this body of believers those who've tuned in online Lord, would abound more and more. Let it increase. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Colossians 3.13, and I just want to share this because part of the practical way of, of living out this love walk, we see some instruction from the Word. Colossians 3.13 in the New Living Translation reads, you must make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's not, that's not an option either. You must forgive others. Maybe you haven't been making allowances for people in your life. And that's stop the love of God from flowing from you to them. Love others in their faults the same way Jesus loves you and yours. We don't make excuse for sin. We hate sin, but we can certainly love the sinner. But today I want to challenge you to make a quality decision to walk in the love of God. Some of you are filled with unforgiveness, bitterness, and even resentment because of hurts of the past. We have all have, have hurts of the past. Someone has wronged you at some point in your journey in this life. To walk in love means you must forgive. You must forgive. There's no other way. In fact, we're able, we're unable to forgive others 
when we forget how God has forgiven us. Forgiveness, I believe, is the greatest and most powerful expression of love when you forgive a wrong because it releases change in the one that you forgive. Peter came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother when he offends me? We see that in Matthew 18, 22. And Peter said seven times, and he's thinking he's going to get a pat on the back. And Jesus said, no, no, 70 times seven. If you break that in a 24-hour day, that's three minutes, every three minutes in a 24-hour period of time. So forgiveness is to be given when it's not deserved because you were forgiven for what you didn't deserve to be forgiven of. But it's because of the love of God. So I want you this morning just to bow your head, close your eyes. I don't want people to be looking around right now. We want to extend an invitation. It's never too early to decide to accept Jesus Christ but the time will come when it will be too late. And so don't put it off. Don't put off getting right with God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, my life is not really right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain whether I'd go to heaven or hell. But I'm in a place where I'm open to receive the love of God. I'm in a place where I'm willing to commit my life to him, to put my trust in him. Jesus said if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we would be saved. Are you willing today to put your trust in Jesus, to surrender to him? If you hear you say, Pastor, I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And surrender to him. I know I need him. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need his forgiveness. I need his love in my life. If that's you, lift your hand. All across the auditorium, just hold your hand up for just a moment so I can see it. Okay, thank you. Thank you for those hands and the others this morning. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. In John 4, 9, the scripture reads, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son in the, into the world so that we might live through him. This morning I'm going to lead what we call a believer's prayer for those that lifted their hands and then we're going to have this altar open when we conclude this service. We'll have a prayer team up here. So if you raise your hand, we certainly want to encourage you by having a moment of prayer with you to help you in your decision to follow Jesus or whatever you have need of, the prayer team will be available to pray. But one thing we also want to do is, and let me pray this prayer first. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I desire to experience your love. Forgive me of my sin. Give my heart to you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me on the cross and you rose from the dead to give me life. I put my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, make my life what you want it to be. 
fill me with your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you made that prayer, said that prayer sincerely, God's doing something in your life right now. We're going to close the service in a very powerful song that talks about God's love for us. And I'm going to invite anyone that wants to come forward to the front and to stand around this altar. If you really need to be filled with his love and encounter his love, God's going to meet you. And I can promise that God's going to encounter you with his love because his presence is here. His spirit is here to meet you. So as we sing this song, as the worship team begins, just make your way to the front and God's going to meet you as we worship him. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.